0: Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism.
1: And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert, who also hears voices.
0: And you're listening to Shit and Bricks,
1: a podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us.
0: Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way.
1: As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast.
0: Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it.
1: Recording.
0: Oh, funny that. I'm recording too.
1: Whoa. It's like we've done this before.
0: (laughs) And should never do it again. (laughs) Suckers. Don't worry, folks. We're, we're, We're back for... Year two. Kate, this is officially our second year of recording.
1: Oh my God. We're into our second year. We're 13 months old.
0: (laughs) We're established.
1: (laughs) We are established. It's good to see you.
0: Thank you. It's good to see you. How are you?
1: I am well, although we've just thrown everybody off. Hi, Dom. Oh, hi, Kate. (laughs) Shit, our first one of the year. (laughs) And we nearly threw each other right off. <laughs> Holy! It's because you're in Berlin. The time zones are different. We're in different countries. We are truly international. Yeah. Tell I'm me about your trip. <laughs> Yeah, you. <are. laughs>
0: well, it's it's almost nine o'clock in the morning here, but it's what time
1: in Melbourne? It is almost seven p.m.
0: Oh my lordy! Mm. Late. It's late for a school night, Kate.
1: It's okay. I'll be all right. As long as I'm in bed by 8.30 sharp, then I'll be all right.
0: <laughs> well, I guess we better get to
1: housekeeping. Housekeeping.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have any, like, spooky season, you know, updates for everybody because today's the 1st of November, officially. Um... I'm going to give us a 10 out of 10, by the way. Tens across the board for tens, the pod collab.
1: Tens across the board.
0: We did so well. Like, Oh, my gosh. I enjoyed it. was amazing. It. Same. I just listened to the last episode of the series this morning on my way to the office. And hats off to everyone involved. And thank you to all the new listeners. I hope you're still with us. hmm Hello. Are you there? Listeners? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Call out, nice and loud. <laughs> we can't hear you four days from now when this is released.
0: <laughs> but that's okay. We still have some housekeeping. Um, as per usual, Kate and I have our Patreon, which you should totally go check out. Give us a few dollars a month so we can keep the lights going. It took a lot of money to get Dominic over to Berlin.
1: Well, that's right. Why do you think I'm not there? We could only <laughs> afford one coach, one coach ticket. You're in the luggage compartment.
0: I did fly a scoot, so it kind of felt like I was in the luggage <laughs> compartment. <laughs> but yes, you can find us on Patreon, Shitting Bricks Podcast, very easy. Don't forget to look at all of our socials as well. Uh, Kate and I do have lots of exciting things planned for the rest of this year and early next year, so stay tuned for some sponsorship and some maybe live shows, our first tour of Melbourne City. <laughs> yeah,
1: hell yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But last but not least, we do have a BooPod Network shout out uh, for this week or feature. It is Murder Road Trip. Kate, I don't know if you remember this one, but this is Shannon and Troy yes. who travel all around the United States in person and go record their shows live and find different stories from you know, each of those states
1: so cool. I feel like we mentioned them maybe like way early on, like when we first established, but that was a year ago. So what are we to remember? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. And Shannon and Troy totally deserve another shout out. So here is their trailer. Hey, I'm Shan. And I'm Troy.
1: And we are going on a little murder road trip.
0: Where every Sunday we take you to a new state alphabetically to tell you the story of murder, spooks, and everything in between.
1: Yes, join us every Sunday for bad jokes, murder, and ghosts. It doesn't get much better than that.
0: So grab your snackies, get on in, and we're gonna go on a murder road trip. (laughs) (laughs) I love the hold the breath.
1: (laughs) I know, we do. Like we can't edit that in post every time.
0: I know, but Kate, Let's not diddle-daddle, diddly-daddle, daddle-diddle. Okay,
1: can I do that later if I want to?
0: Diddle-diddle, yeah.
1: Diddle-daddle, diddle my diddles. Why not?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because this week it is your episode. We're getting back to regular programming. So what have you got in store for us?
1: Well, I have uh, again gone down a bit of a rabbit hole. And I was thinking of one thing, and then I couldn't find anything that I really wanted to talk about with that. And it was too overwhelming. And then I was thinking about something else. I have settled on being lost in the desert.
0: Oh, good one. Mm. We-
1: So like we were just talking
0: about that, Kate.
1: (laughs) I know, it's so crazy. Uh, So as I usually do, um, it's rare that I'll tell just one tale. So I have a couple of tales to tell of some people who have found themselves in this predicament. Mm -hmm. And we can, you know, cross reference, see how they've survived, if they've survived, what they've gone through. Uh, Yeah, so here we are going to talk a little bit about um, being lost in the desert. Are you ready?
0: Get your notepads out, people. This is so vital.
1: Yes, seriously. Um, Firstly, this was kind of stemmed from me trying to find things to watch, flicking on the Disney Plus and seeing Bear Grylls' uh, Celebrity Survival program. And he had one with um, the woman, she's from the Star Wars, Natalie Portman. (laughs) I mean, she does lots of other things, but I didn't write it down, apparently. Anyway, she went and she was in the desert and it was very good and I enjoyed it. So I thought, you know what? That's in my brain. Let's have a bit of a look, see at what people have endured.
0: This isn't a naked one, right? He doesn't do all of them naked, Uh, does he?
1: I don't think so. No, he didn't do that one naked.
0: Yeah. Um, Keep it in your pants, Bear.
1: Yeah, come on, Bear. Come on, do us all a solid. Anyhow, the first person that I want to share the story of with all of you today is a person by the name of Mauro Prosperi. Now, hi, Mauro. Mauro. Hi, Mauro. Welcome to the pod. Just take a seat in the foyer. We'll be with you shortly. So Mauro, uh, he is an endurance runner. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Marathon de Sable, de Sable, De Sables and it's one of the world's toughest endurance races. Competitors run more than 250 kilometres. Firstly, I'm not signing up to that. (laughs) I'm terribly sorry. Uh, Now, this is 250 Ks, if that's not bad enough, but it is across the Sahara and they have to do it in under a week.
0: Why is that a good idea?
1: uh, Oh, why is that something that people will be like, do you know what I'm going to train for? running 250 kilometers across the Sahara. That sounds great. And I'm going to do it in under a week. Yep. Um, so every person in the race, they faced the desert's trademark brutality, uh, but none had it tougher than Mauro Prosperi. He's an Italian policeman and he entered the race in 1994. Now, not long after the start, Prosperi found himself in the middle of a sandstorm. I mean, that's bad. At I don't even, I don't want to be in a sandstorm. And he just started. And then several hours, uh, for several hours, he kept his back to the wind and he was moving a short distance so that he wouldn't be buried. So what a start. So he's, you know, back to the wind and he keeps on just moving really slowly against this horrendous sandstorm so that he doesn't get buried, which is, you know, your first problem.
0: Good day one.
1: Good day one. Great top. Strong day one. Now, when the sandstorm abated, he continued, but he was going in the wrong direction. (sighs) Well, when course. he eventually, yeah, I know, he'd be all ass about, you know, it's, it's a nightmare. Everything looks the same. What's over there? Sand. Oh, whatever. Look to me left. Oh, it's more sand. Maybe I'll just move backwards. Oh, look, bloody sand. I'll just go this way. So he eventually did realize that he had gone uh, the wrong way and he knew what he had to do. So straight away, just imagine this thought pattern too. He urinated in a bottle so that he had something to drink later. So straight away he goes, I'm lost. Piss in a bottle gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> going through my checklist uh he walked in the morning and the evening and then he found shade during the midday heat where he found shade you tell me but he did for three days he sipped his bottle and then another sandstorm hit and this oh. one lasted for 12 hours so great it's really you know at this point would you be thinking i can still win
0: this <laughs> I could, I could maybe he'll get race. back on the, on the right track you know one maybe. sandstorm off kilter you know second yeah. sandstorm oh, I'll know exactly where I'm at
1: maybe he's he thought like he, maybe he's done that thing when you're playing Mario Kart on the rainbow road and you take like the secret jump off yeah. to the right and then you loop back at the beginning maybe he's thinking I've done that I've done a Super Mario um, now he found an old Muslim shrine which was home to a number of small bats good what's the first thing you think you are lost There's small bats what are you going to do
0: Get coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> I don't well know, this is Batman. 1994
1: so <laughs> <laughs> no he captured them and he drank their blood
0: oh. of course
1: now eating flesh would have only worsened his dehydration pop that in your notebooks don't eat the flesh just drink the blood and yet it was there that prosperi gave up hope so he's like i'm just gonna die here i'll the drink some of the bat's blood have a party Whatever. At least then, you know, if he died in the sh- in the shrine, uh, his body might have been found rather than out in the open where he'd just get covered in sand and it'd be lost forever. So yeah. he wrote a note to his wife with a piece of charcoal and then he cut his wrists, but his blood was too thick and it clotted instantly. Oh, wow. So he, yeah, because he's so dehydrated and sweaty and hot, he... Like tries to commit suicide but his blood was too thick to even run out of his veins. It was like nah it's not happening so it's clotted instantly. Now this inability to kill himself it renewed Prosperi's desire to live so he set out again imagine that, imagine going through those extremes where you're just like nah I've made the choice this isn't going to happen this shrine is where I'll lay to be that is fine but no he's like okay well that didn't work well on my bike I better go out and try again
0: yeah, I would so, imagine I'd I'd take that as a sign and just be like, well, fuck you. Like, okay, mm. oh, I'm going to go Fine. survive. I'm going to go win I'm, this race, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm
1: going to go. Me and gonna, my gonna friend, Birdie the Bat,
0: we're going we're <laughs> to cross the line together.
1: I'm going to get a medal, <laughs> I've decided. Now, for another five days, he marched across the sands, heading for a mountain range and the promise of water. He found an oasis. But did he? Okay, <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for that. Is now the he rock there. <laughs> was, yeah. Now, despite not having anything but his own waste for a week, he resisted the desire to down as much water as he could, uh, because he knew that that would only cause problems. Yep. So he drank small amounts until he was found by a family of nomads, and they Aww. took him to a, the safety of a nearby Algerian military base. During his nine days (laughs) of health...
0: The the safety safety. of an attitude.
1: We're going to take you to the military base. (laughs) Now, um, yeah, during those nine days that he was lost and wandering around the Sahara, he had ended up 300 kilometres from the correct route. He lost 18 kilos of body mass and he entered the race again four years later. But he didn't finish that time. Although it's because he stubbed his toe. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. He's like, hang on, the first time I did this race, I survived nine days drinking bat's blood and nearly topping myself. But I've stubbed my toe, guys. Call it a day. I'm wrapping it up. (laughs) Get me to the chopper. But wouldn't that be really annoying that you found out you went 300 kilometers away from the correct route? Because he did the correct route length plus 50 extra k's. Yeah. So he really, like he did really well to a degree. But second time around, he's like, nah, stub my toe. Someone get the van. I'm out of here.
0: I hope he got <laughs> no. more than like a participation ribbon or something because. I
1: hope so. I wonder what happened to the other competitors <laughs> because they all would have been affected by the sandstorms. So, what What of it? Maybe, I don't know. I'll have to look into that because I don't know what happened in that particular race with all the rest of them. I just focused on this guy. Oh,
0: well, maybe, they that's next week's maybe they had a
1: compass. Maybe they had a compass exactly. I don't know.
0: <laughs> maybe they followed the arrows saying, here's the. <laughs> this so <is> true. The... <laughs> yeah, the,
1: these are the markers in the ground, <laughs> <laughs> the little signs saying, this way to the finish line. <laughs>
0: You just imagine an, an Italian of all would just be like, bah, fuck it is, no, I got oh, this Oh,
1: no, I'm not a reader to sign, uh, fucker you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry everyone it's Italian. Okay, um, so yeah, he didn't finish again. I will find out what happened in that race. That maybe will be my little handy hints tips for next week. I'll okay. uh, I'll see what happened to some other competitors. But Maro, you t- like good on you. Far out, what a journey. Yeah. Um, But he's not going to do it again, I wouldn't imagine. Okay, next little story for you. It's a trio of stories. I'm going to tell you about Anne Rogers. Now, I have a sneaking suspicion, Dom. This one's going to make you cross.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Part
1: of the reason why I included it. (laughs) (laughs) So, Anne Rogers, on March 31st, of 2010, Ann Rogers was driving to visit friends in Cave Creek in her Ford Fusion hybrid when she got off track, inverted commas, on the, the loop 202. Now this is in the United States. Um, so she's rolling eventually onto the US 60 East, some sort of road. She saw a sign for Sholo, a town about 200 miles from Cave Creek and then she took the turn. She couldn't explain why. She certainly wasn't prepared for an adventure, but she followed her urge to keep driving and she found herself off the highway on a rural road.
0: Well, she's in a Ford Fusion. I mean, that's what they're for.
1: It's a hybrid. It's a semi-hybrid. Like, she's, she's got what she needs, surely. Now, Anne says, all of a sudden, the road turns to dirt. So she stopped and pulled out a map that she had in her car. Her cell phone rang and it was her employee, Todd. I told Todd you're going to need to let somebody know and do something because I don't have enough gas," she said.
0: <laughs>
1: she texted. She texted one of her Cave Creek friends her approximate location, and then she lost her cell signal. So at least she's texted someone, and she said, "You know, I'm aroundabouts here. Don't worry. I've told Todd. He knows I'm somewhere. Someone's going to come and get me."
0: So uh, let me guess. Uh, so she decides to push on instead of turn around, maybe go backwards to the main road.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, the hybrid, it was out of gas, but she was able to drive a little bit further until it ran out of electrical charge. There you go. That's a good ad for uh, hybrid, semi-hybrid cars, though, that she had a little bit of charge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she's uh, driven a little bit further, and for the next two days, Rogers remained in that location on the lonely plateau. She was huddling under a blanket with her dog. She has a doggy. Uh, in the car, as the temperatures plummeted below freezing, no other cars came by. The area didn't have so much as a power line, she observed. So as you're driving down this road, would these not be red flags? Perhaps no. I shouldn't have just decided to go on an adventure today into the middle of nowhere. Anyway, she anyway. had brought two gallons of water with her, but oh. it was starting to <laughs> but it was starting to run low. and two gallons in two days <laughs> honey come on when, Now she,
0: he's old mate with fucking bats drinking drinking blood she's like glug glug
1: glug <laughs> she's just slamming down water like it's going out of passion now she had uh, she um, knew that dehydration was a risk so she had to find some more water now without a canteen so she wasn't planning on going hiking or camping so she's got a can without a canteen she poured some water in a Nutella jar And she took it with her as she and her dog hiked to the highest ridge she could find. She still wasn't able to get a cell phone signal. But while she was scanning the terrain with her binoculars, she's got binoculars, but no canteen. Come on, Anne, pull the other one. Uh, Rogers spotted uh, spotted running water in the distance. Great. So she's like, running water, that's where I need to be. It is day two. I've had two gallons of water, but I must immediately now go and get that. (laughs) Now she began making her way back to the car but she stopped overnight about halfway down the ridge. So she has a bit of a snooze, has a rest halfway down the ridge. She then gets back to the car and she took everything that she thought she would need to set out for the flowing water. The one thing that she didn't have much of was food. No way. She was hungry and, she, and cold and she found Canyon Creek, a rugged stream that flows mostly north to south for lots of miles near the west edge of an, in, the Indian Reservation in Gila County. And it was a very, very deep canyon and very difficult terrain to traverse. While she's wandering about getting water from this Canyon Creek, she saw a helicopter fly over, but the searchers missed her. Rogers then came across a large weather-bleached elk skeleton and she used the bones and the white rocks to spell the word help! With an exclamation point. She left her business card at the site, <laughs> writing on the back that she needed food as soon as possible and that she planned to continue walking down the canyon and that she can't last much longer. Dominic. Can you please tell me, to this point, what is wrong with this story? What is wrong with what she's done?
0: (laughs) I can just imagine, (laughs) you know, the Native American community living in that area, just watching this white woman, you know, they're just a a couple of hundred metres behind her, just going, what the fuck is this? dickhead doing like I
1: know desecrating an elk corpse just (laughs) leaving her business card what does she want like what's with the Nutella jar we don't need a new refrigerator out here babe like it's just get on your way get in your semi-hybrid and piss off
0: (laughs) and I can't imagine she's like loaded up her dog like a pack animal like a donkey and she's like dragging her luggage behind it. I don't know. That's um,
1: all right. No, I, exactly. Now, my thing when I was reading this, I was like, "Dull." do you know what's easier to see from a helicopter than one single person and a dog? What? A freaking car. A car's yeah. easier to see. A Ford Fusion is easier to see than just you in a bush. Trust me. I don't know. That's my... That's a tip. Write that down. That's tip number two. Piss in the bottle immediately. Stay by your car. <laughs> Okay, now Anne's hunger grew intense, but fortunately she had studied the works of herbalist Charles Kane, who writes books on edible plants of the southwest. That's handy oh. to know as well. Maybe take one of those with you. Uh, Rogers ate dandelion greens, clover and spring onions. The latter are very uh, were very tiny, but if you put a bunch of them together, it was onionish, she said. Yeah. Now she utilized her cigarette lighter and she was able to make a fire every night for warmth and cooking. A lifelong smoker, Rogers said that people often criticized her when they saw her lighting up but in this case being a smoker helped keep her alive. (laughs) Get on it. (laughs) Okay but she didn't trust that the lighter would keep working. This is actually quite clever and I do give Anne points for this. She didn't trust the lighter would keep working so she used the ancient practice of wrapping up burning embers in moss to take with her that way she would always be assured that she could make a new campfire. Isn't that cool? I didn't realize
0: that they could last that long.
1: I did not know either that you could just bundle them up in a little pile and carry them around and then make a new fire. I would love to know more about that if you are a herbalist or uh, someone who does camping, someone who specializes in burning embers in moss, give us a Mm -hmm. call. All right, now a,
0: a hybrid enthusiast, maybe, uh, uh, maybe that's in the, the car manual. <laughs> yes,
1: whatever you are, a specialist at, of, give us, a, give us a ring a ding ding. Now, on her birthday, April fourth, it's Chelsea's birthday. <laughs> uh, she received a gift in the form of an old homestead. Uh, The year 1903 was scrawled on part of the old foundation which was the only thing left of the place uh, except for decrepit horse corrals. Um, She camped there for two nights before moving down the canyon in search of more plants to eat. All right so she's just wandering around and she found this house with some horse corrals. She stayed there. She felt herself getting weaker from lack of nutrition but then she found her second gift. It was a mud turtle trying to scramble up a side of a creek embankment. So she took off her boots and her jacket and she jumped into the cold creek, but she couldn't reach the turtle. Just as it looked like it would get away, she managed to push it with a foot over the side of the embankment where she caught it. And then she made another fire and she cooked the turtle. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Roger's got to eat, I suppose. She's hungry. Now, she said that the only protein she had was the turtle, except for some bugs in the water. Um, meanwhile, Rogers had been reported missing, but no one knew in the state, or like where in the state she was. On April 3rd, her Ford was found on the Indian reservation, prompting an exhaustive search over the next two days. The rescue helicopters scoured the area, but they couldn't spot her. <laughs> but course. guess what? They found the car, you nuns. So maybe stay with your car. <laughs> The break in the search and rescue case didn't come until April 9, so this is five days later, that she's just wandering around, staying, you know, she's just started a new life out there, basically, (laughs) Um, (laughs) when a White River tribal game and fish officer found her dog wandering through the canyon. The officer found Roger's help sign after another aerial search and then spotted one of her shelters further downstream. When the helicopter rounded a bend in the canyon, Rogers was located standing next to a signal fire and waving. She said that, uh, hi, (laughs) hi guys. (laughs) Come on in, I popped the kettle on. I've got some nice fresh mud turtle. Come on in. Um, Now, Rogers said that she broke down and cried when Tiffany, a rescuer from the helicopter, found her. She's Wonder Woman, Rogers said, giving kudos to the pilot as well. Full accolades should also go to the Apache tribal members and their dog teams who helped conduct the ground search while she was missing, she said. Rogers was suffering slightly from exposure after nine days, but she got onto the helicopter with little assistance and she was taken to a hospital for examination and then released. Um, the One of the rescuers, the aviation manager, uh, said motorists are always encouraged to know their route, and plan their vehicle fuel accordingly and when appropriate to ensure that other, and ensure that others know their route of travel. Mm. So don't just turn off a road. Rogers' next adventure will be getting her Ford Fusion back. <laughs> it's still where she left it at the time of printing this article. And Rogers and her friends had to go through several layers of hierarchy in the tribe before receiving permission to re- retrieve it from the reservation. Although she was lost, Rogers technically was trespassing on a reservation. Yeah. So don't turn off the road, doll. Oh, glory.
0: I I can understand why you might think that one would annoy me.
1: Yeah, I just thought because of the, you know, 127 hours champ who wasn't really prepared and just did things for shits and gigs, I felt like this bird was taking the piss a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's definitely got that kind of flavour of it, but her intention was never to... She didn't know any better, I don't think.
1: Okay. Yeah, I get. I get that. Fair enough.
0: But well, I mean, still. that's
1: yeah. It's that's one of those things where I just I thought it might bug you, so I included it. Maybe it bugged me more, <laughs> <laughs> <in the end. coughs> which is fine. One of us is dissatisfied, so <laughs> that's always what we're looking for in our pod.
0: As long as she didn't kill her dog and eat her dog, like yeah. then then we would have boycotted her completely.
1: Agreed. And really, the dog saved her to a yeah. degree. Dogs are amazing. I love That one dogs.
0: was a good one, Kate, actually. I really enjoyed <laughs> that one. That's good.
1: <laughs> well, if you enjoyed that, I thought that I would bring home a little bit of um, Aussie drama. So I'm yes. going to tell you another story, uh, but it is based in Australia. Now, a couple of things got me onto this article. <laughs> it's from a website which is called offthegridnews.com, and it is about extreme survival. The article is entitled, Robbed and Left to Die, He Survived X Amount of Days, I'll Tell You, in the Desert on Frogs and Leeches. Now, that's got my attention, but what got my attention even more was the author of this article, who is a person by the name of Cody Assman. (laughs) (laughs) A-double-S-M-A-double-N, Assman. Cody, well, ass man.
0: I can relate. It's so alright, Cody. Thought,
1: it's okay, Cody. You can be an ass man. That's fine. It just reminds me of Seinfeld. Uh, okay, so let me tell you this next story, which is yeah, it's intensive, um, and it's yeah, a bit of home Aussie uh, survival grit here as well. Okay, bear with me with this story. I am reading this from the the website, so it does have a bit of. Not fiction, but it sets it up a bit. I'm
0: so here we go. So here for it.
1: The road was rough and dusty as usual. Two jackaroos or Australian ranch hands had been sent out from the nearest cattle station to perform their day's labour. Oh, I already feel like hot and dusty. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> their first order of business required them to head into some of the most desolate country that surrounded them. In this part of the northern outback, that meant going into some of the most isolated pockets on the continent. Jackaroos like these were accustomed to living and working in desert conditions, and their bronze skin and weathered clothing (laughs) testified to that. (laughs) Mercy! (laughs) Still, even with an iron constitution, the trip to this remote area was a tough one, even by pickup ute, we would say ute, not pickup truck, but that's okay. Not only would the road nearly jar a man's teeth from his head, but as it was the end of the rainy season, the temperatures were beginning to heat up. So the duo of jackaroos bounced along across the desolation. With nothing in sight, the pair talked and joked with each other as to pass the time. As they slowly worked their way across the expanse, they spied something moving off in the distance. It was something unfamiliar, something odd and foreign to the regular scenery. They drove closer to investigate. As they drew closer, their curiosity only grew at the strange figure that rose and fell in the distance. Ever so slowly, the tattered ute eased across the hot sand and unforgiving terrain of the Australian outback. As they approached, two wide-eyed jackaroos looked at each other in disbelief. The mysterious figure they had found appeared to be a walking, stumbling, living skeleton. They had found a man by the name of Ricky McGee.
0: Oh, no, not. That's just. I am,
1: I am not shitting you. This gentleman's name is Ricky McGee. Could it be any more Australian?
0: <laughs> Everyone Welcome has to a the friend. podcast.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Australia. You are here, and I am loving every minute of it. <laughs> the story of Ricky McGee is a captivating tale of survival in the Australian outback. Although the story is one fraught with hardship and the reality of death, it all began with a young man full of optimism. Ricky had just landed a new job and was driving along a barren North Australian highway when he came across a group of stranded, stranded travellers huddled around their vehicle on the side of the road. Not wanting to pass a stranded person on this desolate stretch of highway, Ricky slowed down and pulled over. The group needed help to get their car going. McGee allowed a few of them to hop into his car so that they could hitch a ride to the next town where they could get help. The men piled in and then blackness, and that is the last thing he remembers. He woke up naked in the middle of the desert, baking in the hot sun. Confusion overtook him as he tried to understand what had happened. He sat down in the shade for hours pondering his predicament. Nobody in sight, no roads, no houses, no water nothing just desert what was he supposed to do not being one I know it's just it's a good story yeah not not being one to let pessimism crowd his psyche McGee walked across the desert barefoot and naked to try and find help each morning he told himself that today was the day he would find help his efforts proved fruitless as he traveled for days without finding anyone His best option, he soon realised, was to find a good source of water and to stay next to it. Fortunately, the raining season was just ending and the desert held pockets of water. He committed himself to one such waterhole and he constructed a makeshift shelter. After more than a week in isolation, Ricky was getting hungry. Only now. He's just... So I think I could, yeah, maybe I could do a week. I don't know. but And
0: Rogers, <laughs> you could learn a two or a thing or two. He's exactly Ricky McGee he didn't. not having a whinge. Yeah,
1: Ricky McGee's gone a week and he goes, I'm getting a bit peckish. I could use a bit of a snack. And now Ricky's stomach cramped and his muscles ached from exhaustion. He knew that he had to find food. Then a lizard scurried past. Without even thinking, McGee lashed out and stunned the reptiles, killing it instantly. He had no fire, so he improvised. He laid the lizard in the sun for a few hours and allowed it to dry. After that, he peeled the skin off and enjoyed his first bite to eat in the bush. Now, for those of you who may not be aware of the climate in Australia, particularly in the middle of Australia, uh, which is predominantly desert, it can get up to 45 degrees. So what's that, 110 uh, Fahrenheit? I don't know, hotter? Probably
0: more, yeah.
1: It's really really hot um, and you can dead set fry an egg on a rock and it will take about 10 seconds. So him lying this out in the Sun on a rock it's yeah it wouldn't take very long for this lizard to dry out so that it was you know almost you know cooked to a degree. Over the course excuse me over the course of 71 days McGee ate nearly everything he could find lizards, frogs, leeches, snakes, grasshoppers, and caterpillars. Are you, is your little mind blown, Dom?
0: Yeah, and all the while his wedding tackle's just flapping about, he's fully nudie roody
1: He's nudie roody He's Tarzaning it out in the bush. Jeez. Lizards, frogs, grasshoppers, caterpillars, basically anything that slithered, crawled, scurried, or crept across the desert floor, he's like, that's mine. It's dinner. In fact, he did develop an affinity for certain kinds of frogs over others. He said that leeches were okay, but you have to eat them quickly. Otherwise, they attach themselves to the inside of your mouth. (laughs) What a delightful little thing that is to find out. Like, you're already having a hard enough time, but you just go to eat something. You're like, hey, go <laughs> out I'm eating it. you,
0: not you <laughs> eating me. No,
1: yeah, you jerk. McGee also ate plants. His rule for eating plants, if it tasted good, he ate it. And it was the safest way to test plants, Um, you know, uh, no, it's not the safest way to test plants. It's quite dangerous, but he was fortunate. So if you are in the bush, please don't just eat Australian plants. Um, They could kill you. Mm. Um, It's not a great idea. Now, he mostly stumbled upon a few edible plants that Aboriginal people had eaten for millennia and that they use for, you know, lots of different things. But as much as he tried and as much as he ate, Ricky was slowly losing his battle with the desert. He was gradually starving to death.
0: Mm.
1: After a few weeks at his first shelter, McGee decided that he needed to move on. He needed new digs, he wanted a different outlook on life. So he had found a different water hole and he constructed another shelter and settled in for what he thought might be his last few days on earth. His strength was failing and he knew that setting across the desert was fruitless. He began to battle with the thought that he was going to die in the outback. He even mounted a cross on his shelter, marking what he believed was going to be his grave. He simply, I know, he simply hoped that his corpse would be found for his family. In his weakened and gaunt condition, McGee also felt the need to block the entrance to his shelter at night. Why would this be the case, Dom? What can you think is going to come and get him at night time in the Australian outback?
0: Drop bears and hoop snakes. <laughs>
1: Correct. <laughs> Drop bears, hoop snakes and dingoes. Yeah. So dingoes had been prowling around his camp uh, and he got the impression that they were sizing him up for a meal. So mm-hmm. he would just be sitting there during the day and they would probably be having a bit of a sneak peek going, yeah, I could take him. I yep. could, I, I could do, that'd be a little snacky snack. So each night he crawled into his shelter, hoping to keep the wild dogs out just one more night. And so it went for 71 days. By the time the Jackaroos stumbled upon him, he was only a gaunt figure of his former self. He was previously a strong and stout 233
0: pounds. What is pounds
1: to things? I don't know, like a hundred kilo. It's like half that. So he, he was, yeah, he was previously 233 pounds when he was found he weighed a skeletal one hundred pounds. That's not healthy. So that's, that's like forty kilo. So uh, two
0: hundred and thirty three is hundred and five kilograms. Okay. And down to a hundred pounds. That's why are you not doing your thing? That's forty five kilos.
1: Yeah, forty five kilos. That's two bags of cement. Yeah. From Bunnings. So he's not feeling okay. So the ranch hands found him. He was not feeling right. He's had better days. See again, Ann Rogers.
0: you got and, nothing to complain about.
1: Ann Rogers, come down to the Australian outback and get lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in our landscape. See how you're gory. Uh, now, yes. Yeah, so he's 100 pounds when the ranch hands arrived. He was emaci- emaciated, weak and tired, but he was alive. I can't believe that. Now, what can we learn from such an amazing story of survival? Get your notebooks out, folks. I've already given you two tips. Here's another one. The first thing is finding shelter, water and food in that order. That's the priority. So you need to have somewhere to shelter, then you need some food, water, then you need some food. Okay, Mm -hmm. so there you go. Second, (laughs) this is really important, a positive outlook is essential.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, I know that it sounds really funny, is. but it really is.
1: Well, even if we go back to our first story of Marrow, like he was in the depths of wanting to take his own life. And then upon not being able to do that, his mindset flipped and he thought, no, okay, well, that's not going to work. So what do I need to do? I just need to try. I've yep. got to do something because I can't just lay here. It's not going to work. Uh, and then he was found. So it's sort of, yeah, it's, it does seem a bit, <laughs> just be positive but it's not ridiculous when you think about it. Whilst uh, Ricky McGee was out there, he remembered his friends and family and the thought of them, um, and the thought of seeing them again, that's what kept him going, mm-hmm. which was amazing. So Ricky McGee was able to stay alive in one of the world's most inhospitable environments for more than two months.
0: Yeah. Could you do that? I Again, I think, I would totally be energized to try and do it. Like I I'm really fascinated by survival stuff. Like I'm you know, I'm not going to go out and build a bunker in my backyard type thing. Like I'm not going to that extreme. I feel but like that
1: would be hard at your apartment complex too. Yes, true. Yes. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> neighbors. We, uh, <laughs> I don't know that the body corporate would be thrilled <laughs> that you're building a bunker in their courtyard. <laughs>
0: But I don't want to say that yeah I could totally do what Ricky McGee did but I would I would be I would really push myself and I reckon like if I had to eat a snake I'd eat a snake if I needed to you know do whatever I would it wouldn't it wouldn't that wouldn't stop me like the ickiness or any of that sort of stuff wouldn't stop me but there's something to be said for someone that weighs 105 kilos 233 pounds. You yep. do have a slight advantage having more on your body, more fat stores, more whatever for it to to burn through just technically means that you're going to last longer.
1: I agree. Yeah, and it gives you a little bit of something.
0: Yeah, and I'm, my point of saying that is that I'm a bit weedy and I'm not very – I don't have a lot of anything on me, so I probably wouldn't <laughs> last as long as 71 days purely because – I'm not as hefty as Ricky Magooey. Sure.
1: Yeah, Ricky Magooey. I can't, I'm just with the name. It's so Australian. It just, it gives me life. I love yeah. it so, so much. Um, but to think as well, you know, yeah, you would just get into that state of, well, what are the options for today? You yeah. know, and his positivity of going, today's the day I'm going to find someone. Yeah. I'm going to, something's going to happen today. And he just kept getting up. But those, uh, you know, people that stole his youth chucked him in the bush nude. That's not very nice. Don't do yeah. that. Put that on your tips list too. Don't do that.
0: I wonder if they were ever found.
1: Yeah, that is a good question. I didn't look into this that side of it. I was much more focused on our Rookie McGee. Yeah. Uh, but we will post some photos because there are photos of him before and after. And the photo of after, he's just think, Christian Bale yeah in is it is it the machinist is that or yep. the machinist or whatever the that film was where he lost that extreme amount of weight it's basically that but it's even worse because he's a big like this he's a big guy he's got huge broad shoulders he's like barrel chested so it's sort of really extenuous exten- makes it seem more obvious that Haskins yes yeah, yeah. all right so that is our story of Ricky McGee but before I finish up with our off the grid news um you know, Better Ideas for Living Off the Grid, uh, which is the website I got it from. I just wanted to just highlight a couple more articles that you can go and read by Cody Assman, um, (laughs) because why wouldn't you want to? Uh, There's Three Forgotten Ways The Pioneers Built Fires Without Wood. There's one, you could have a look at that. Um, The Quickie Survival Bow that you can carve in just a few short hours. Mm. So if you want a survival bow, you can go ahead and have a look at that.
0: That's a good one. Um,
1: it is a good one. Who doesn't need a you know survival bow? Yeah,
0: that's
1: handy. Uh, there is a um, some information on a man's weird breathing technique, and could this be the key to extreme survival? So there you go. You can uh, you know try and complete this breathing exercise if you're really into it. Um, then there's a story about someone who was stranded in sub-zero temperatures and survived only on seal meat for nearly two years. So, I mean, that wasn't in the desert, it was in the snow, so it didn't make the cut for today's story. Um, But you can also have a look at 28 survival foods that the mountain men ate.
0: Kate, this is a really golden find. You always have such great resources. There's (laughs) so many episodes worth of shit that you could do here.
1: Truly. I think survival is fascinating. And for people to go through it and the, you know, varying situations you found yourself in, not a single one of those stories was the same in Mm. terms of how they got there and what they did to survive. They were all very different, but they were all in the desert. And, you know, that was my thin link to get us through.
0: Well done, Kate. That was so, so fascinating. And I don't know if you... I know, you know, normally we have like a pop culture or whatever thing to oh, add. I
1: have, I have got one, but I'm going to see if it's the same as the one you're thinking.
0: Well, I've... Because I'm travelling, I've i have I've yeah. been able to access different versions of Netflix because, you know, you different parts of the world, you know, whatever. And I didn't... I'd heard of this TV series and never watched it before. And I don't think it's really available in Australia. I think it's part of the History Channel in the States. Mm-hmm. And I think it's gone for like eight seasons now, so it's been around for quite a while. And the way that I heard about it was, I went to go see Jonathan Van Ness's live comedy show in Australia. Yeah, and uh, they were explaining that during lockdown, what got them through was this television series called Alive.
1: Yes, I have said You can get it on Disney Plus here because they have all the Nat Geos.
0: Oh my flipping goodness, Kate! I'm bummed <laughs> that I didn't know about this show, but I'm also so happy that it's been introduced to me. It is like crack, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's – anyway. It I don't is know what that's so, like. But. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but it just – every the stories that you were telling me and just the emphasis on survival and how to adapt, and then you were talking about having a positive – outlook and mindset is so vital to surviving. It just reminded me of Alive and I've only watched one season of it. I think it was in Bear Country in Canada. Yeah. Um, And I'm so ready to watch the rest of it. But anyway, what's your pop culture reference?
1: Well, my pop culture reference is a film um, that made me feel uncomfortable from the very beginning. And it's called Gold and it stars Zac Efron and it is basically a story about him and another guy in the middle of the Australian outback and they find gold but the problem is this gold is so big that they have to like get a massive like piece of machinery to dig it out mm. so zac efron stays with the gold whilst old mate goes off to go and get uh you know his machinery to dig it out um it's set in the future but it doesn't really interfere with you know the the story itself which is that of survival and Mm. you can go through the steps of you know Zac Efron's character finding um uh shelter you know creating that finding water having some sort of food um and then losing his mind
0: yeah
1: as he's in this place um, yeah, so that was one of the ones that sort of, yeah, I thought of that frightened me and I thought that's going to be the one. So we'll pop that as alive and gold as our pop culture reference says for this episode. But thank you for joining me.
0: Well done, Kate. I loved this one. This is fantastic. Oh, Yay. you're such a good storyteller. You should do a podcast.
1: <laughs> I'll say I'm very busy.
0: Yes, you are. So
1: busy. (laughs) I will um, be back with this theme in a couple of weeks uh, because, again, back to normal programming. So Dom's going to jump in for next week's story. And then I am going to, yeah, look a little bit more deeply into surviving in some different climate. So snow may be the very next one.
0: Nice. Yeah, I've got quite a doozy. I apologize in advance, folks, but I'm just dumping, jumping, dumping. Yeah, I'm going to dump.
1: You're going to jump dump.
0: (laughs) Into the deep end with a pretty horrendous story. But, yeah, as soon as I heard it for the first time, I was just like, I have to do it. So stay tuned for next week. Uh, Live from Berlin.
1: Live from Berlin. (laughs) I love it. I'm so excited.
0: All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out all of our socials, Shitting Bricks podcast, check out our Patreon. Anything will, you know, go a really, really long way for Kate and I. And as always, we're so glad that you're here with us and especially to all of our new listeners. Uh, We'll see you next time.
1: See you next time. Bye. Love you. Love
0: you, boy.
1: That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shitting Bricks.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find Extra Little Nuggets on our socials.
1: Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in.
0: And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.